Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I came here this morning with the intention of waking you up. And you'll see what I mean in just a minute. That that phrase, exceeding abundantly, you could also, kind of a definition of that. Now, you probably have a feeling of what it means, but it means to an extent which you cannot express. And let's look at this, this verse here, verse 20. Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many of y'all like routine? I'm a big fan of routine. Okay? And when something messes up my routine, it just makes my whole day go wrong. I mean, it can be the slightest little thing, running late for work, have a flat on the way to work. Just any little thing that just messes up my routine, my whole day is ruined. I just I feel terrible the rest of the day. But here is the problem with routine. The problem with routine, especially in terms of church, is you get comfortable with routine. You get lazy with routine. Now, I believe there's there's a certain order to things. You know, you ought to have some sort of order to your church service. There ought to be something that people can expect. You know, this is going to happen at a certain time. But there's also a certain point at which that just becomes boring. See, people begin to expect, well, this is going to happen at a certain time. So, you just you get stuck in a rut. This scripture I just read you, and look, y'all just hang on, okay? Just bear with me for a minute. See, this scripture describes a God that some of us have forgot existed. It describes a God that can do the impossible. Okay, now I'm talking in our own human concept of what's possible and impossible. It describes a God that can reach outside the realm of what we foresee as even being a possibility. But in our our love for routine and comfort, we get settled in and we stop looking into that impossible realm. 
We start, we, we just keep looking at what we know needs to be done. Well, this is the way we do it. We do this, then we do that. And we quit looking to God for, well, God, what else might you want to do here? What, what might you be wanting to do, but because we're set in our routine, we're not seeking you for? And as I began to pray last night, I got to thinking, and I, look, I, I understand, especially for some of those here that are older than me, two years really isn't that much time. But I've been pastoring here for two years now. And you know, there's a certain amount of routine I've developed. And a certain level of comfort. And I'm not talking about a good kind of comfort. I'm talking about the kind of comfort that is just what I'm telling you. You you get to a point where you stop looking for what it is that's impossible in the human nature, your human flesh, your your own mental capacity, and you, you just get settled into that. You see, there's a whole lot of things we can do in this world for God that I really don't need God to do anything. You know, we can, we can organize all sorts of outreach programs. We can do a whole lot of things in ourselves that are good things, and there's nothing wrong with them. I'm not telling you we're going to stop doing that kind of stuff. But the problem is, is that we think that's it. We get settled into that. You know, there is, there is a whole other realm, the impossible realm for me, that I could be seeking God and praying for. God, what is it you want to do? And when He speaks one of those things into my heart, and my flesh says, oh no, that's impossible. But because I know you're God, I'm going, I'm going to keep pushing. You see, there is things like that, that as Christians, we need to be looking for. We need to be seeking God for. But we get comfortable in routine, and we stop trying to stretch our imagination. You see, that Scripture says it's above what we can ask or even think. That's the kind of stuff God can do. And you might say, well then, how can I pray for God to do something if it's not something I can even think of? You just answered your own question. You pray for God to show you things you can't think of. God, show me what it is you want to do that I haven't even conceived of yet. Show me what it is you want to do that the world would say is impossible. That my human, carnal, flesh, and nature would say, there ain't no way. When was the last time you prayed for the impossible? Y'all, every time I've prayed for the impossible, I've seen it become possible. Every time I have prayed and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I need you to intervene. God, I don't know how you're going to provide it, but I need you to provide. He has never failed me. Not one time has He ever said, no, that's 
that's just not possible, Kevin. There's no way I can do that. Because, see, he works in a different, different realm. Higher plane. The Word tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. That doesn't just mean that he thinks higher. It means he can do higher. He can do above what we can ever imagine. We need to be putting our faith to work in the impossible realm. I'm going to share a scripture with you. You've probably heard it before. Romans 8 and 24. It says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Now let's put that in English. Today's English. If you're trying to hope for something and you already have it, why do you need to hope for it? You don't, right? Because you have it. If I'm hoping for a new car and I have a new car, I wouldn't continue to hope for a new car, would I? If God has met some sort of need in my life, I don't need to continue to hope for that need to be met when it's already done. It's it's tangible. It's in front of me. I see it. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But we want to stay in our comfort zone where we can see everything and control everything and touch it. We know it's real. That's where we want to stay. But we get locked into that if we're not careful. You know, it's good to look around and see the ways God's blessed you. But is that where you want to stay? Is that enough? And I'm not talking about material things. The ways God's moved in your life and opened doors for you and and worked healing. and, and Is that enough? Or do you want to keep pushing the envelope? You see, my God is capable of a whole lot more than what He's already done. My God is capable of a whole lot more than I can even dream up as things I want or need. And when I get stuck just kind of reveling in the moment and relishing the things that God's given me and not continuing to press forward. I lose this thing that that the Bible often calls vision. Y'all know what it says about people that don't have vision? They perish. We've lost our hope. Because we're not believing for the things we can't see. Did y'all hear what I said? We've lost our hope. See, these two things can't coexist. You can't Believe for things you can't see without having hope. You can't 
only look to things you can see and have hope. It don't work that way. Where do y'all see this church in five years? Any of you think that far ahead? Who do you see us helping in the next year? How far should we push this thing? What kind of goals? And look, I'm not one of these public, you know, these motivational speakers that, oh, you need to be goal oriented. I, I just, I'm not one of those kind of people. That's not my nature. I'm not one of these that says, well, you just need to have a good attitude and, and that will change everything in your life. No, that's not how I... That's just not my nature, okay? But what God has showed me is that if I'm not looking to Him to show me something that I yet can't see, I have no hope. If I'm not looking to Him for something beyond what I can imagine, I don't have any hope. You know what happens when you don't have any hope? You get comfortable, you get stale, you get stagnant. And the last thing I want for people to look at me and see is somebody that's stagnant. I want people to look at me and see somebody that is progressing in their life and in their walk with Jesus. I want them to see change in me. And you may say, well, I'm... 50, 60, 70 years old, how much can I change? I'm going to tell you right now, there ought to be change. Because you ain't perfect yet. I don't care how old you are. You're not perfect yet. And until you reach perfection, there needs to be change in your life. That doesn't come about by being complacent and being comfortable and being lazy, and being situated in a place where you feel like you've got everything you need. That comes about by looking to God and saying, God, what do I need to do different? God, what should I even be praying for right now? Because I don't have a need personally right now, but where would you have me to be looking toward? See, God will put hope in you by giving you a vision Giving you something to look forward to. Something to reach to. I'm trying to stir something up in you today. When was the last time you were stirred? What does that mean? When was the last time that something just kind of got a hold of you and you said, Oh man, that is good. See, God speaks to you like that when you listen. Every now and then I'll, I'll be praying and God will just put something in me and whew, man, I didn't even realize that. I didn't know I needed to pray for that. You see, when you're walking and praying in the Spirit, God can put things in your mind and in your heart that you didn't know you needed. Things that you hadn't even imagined were possible or even that you wanted them. You know, it's pretty easy to... Look, I could stand right up here today and look out at this crowd, and yeah, we don't have every bench full. we got a nice crowd. 
And you know, I could be comfortable with that. If it didn't ever change, for Kevin, that'd be all right. This is good. You know, church ain't all about numbers. I really, honestly, myself, don't care if we ever have 300 people. It it doesn't matter to me one bit. But you know what a growing church indicates? Now, I'm talking about true growth, okay? Let me explain the difference to you real quick. You see, you have the kind of growth where babies are born and they attend the church because their parents do. You have the kind of growth where you have people that move around from other churches, you know, for whatever reason. They decided to go to this church. Okay? Then you have the kind of growth where people who have never went to church never had any intention of going, all of a sudden are brought into the light and receive salvation and hope. And they start coming. That's the kind of growth we want. Okay, I'm not telling you if you went to another church, I don't want you to come here. I'm telling you that's good, but that is not where our focus needs to be as Christians. Okay? You see, the kind of people that are concerned about the numbers in their church welcome anybody, and it's like, oh man, now we got 200 people. Nevertheless, they all came from another church. The kingdom did not increase. Just your church did. I don't care about that kind of increase. It's great when more people come, but I want growth of the kingdom, not of my church. Okay, those people that we reach as a church may choose to go somewhere else to church, and that's fine. I just want them to be saved. Now, you can't have that kind of growth without hope and without vision. Being comfortable, being complacent, coming in. Look, I'm going to tell y'all just real briefly my routine. Okay. For the week, not for the day. Because that would bore you. Mondays and Tuesdays, pretty free. I go to work, come home. Wednesdays, go to work, come home. There's women's ministry. My wife comes over here. I tend to the kids, make sure they're ready to go to bed. Thursday, go to work, come home. We have praise and worship practice. Friday, go to work, come home, do whatever. Saturday, do whatever. Saturday night, come over here, prepare for Sunday morning. Sunday morning, come to church, go home, come back to church, prepare for Sunday night, church Sunday night, go home. I've done that for two years. Every week. Now, there's weeks that things change, but that's my routine. And do you know what? It gets boring. Why am I telling you this and boring you with the details of my life? I'm telling you because chances are you've got a similar routine. And chances are Sunday morning becomes part of your routine. And when you get up Sunday morning, you're thinking, it's time to go to church. 
You come to church. You spend time at church. And, oh, you raise your hands and worship God. You go home and you right back in your routine. You didn't stretch. You see, it's no stretch of the imagination for me to come to church on Sunday. Right? It's no stretch of the imagination that, that my wife is going to be at women's ministry Wednesday night. It's just the norm. I want you to get out of the norm. I'm not telling you we're going to start randomly changing the church schedule. That would be foolishness. But if you want to wake up, if you want to start seeing God do something that He ain't ever done here, or maybe hasn't done in a long time, or maybe something you ain't ever seen before, because let's face it, He's the God of the impossible. If you want to see that kind of stuff happen, I want to shake you up this morning and let you know your routine for God needs to go out the window. Because you can't keep God in your little box. He'll come and visit you every now and then, but He ain't going to stay there. Because He's bigger than that box. He's bigger than your routine. And when you start looking to God and saying, God, this is the way we normally do it, but if you got something else in mind, come on. If you got something else for us, show me what it is. Until then, I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to serve you and do whatever you want me to, but let me know when you want something to change. So we got to have that attitude, y'all. There could be people all around us going to hell, and if all we do is sit in our box and, and do our routine, we might not ever cross their path. You understand that? I've got a, a, a friend I've known since kindergarten. That used to live just a few miles down the road. Now he lives over in Lufkin. But do you know it had been ten years since I seen him? Why is that? Because he went that way and I went this way. Our paths never crossed. There was never, not one time did I ever bump into him at the store. You know why? Because he went that way and I went this way. Routines. How can I have an impact on somebody if I don't ever see them? How can I do anything out of the ordinary? Because look, let's face it, I want to do extraordinary things for God. I've told you before, I want to do things and I want this church to do things so great that people look at it and say, oh man, that had to be God because there ain't no possible way that person or that little bitty church from Kennard, Texas did that. I want Him to get that kind of glory for what we've done. But how can that happen if I just keep doing the same stuff? Round and round we go. Come to church Sunday morning. Go home. Come to church Sunday night. Go home. Meanwhile, my expectations continue to diminish. You hear me? Church I used to go to had a sign up on the wall that said, Expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. 
How many times have you come down and prayed and didn't necessarily expect? See, I want you, I want you to understand something about expectation. Expectation is not just wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is asking Santa Claus to bring you a present for Christmas. Okay? I hope He brings what I want. Expectation is understanding who it is you're asking from and having a pretty solid belief that they will fulfill what you asked. See, when you ask Santa Claus for a present... You might get something, but you don't know for sure what it's going to be. But when you ask God, listen now, when you ask God, I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Now, y'all need to understand about God is that expectations are founded on more than just wishful thinking. They're founded on a firm belief in who He is and what He said He will do. Do you believe God is is truth? Or do you believe Him to be a lie? You see, when you come to God, you better have expectations that He will fulfill what He said He will fulfill. And if you walk away not sure, you're like the person James talked about that wavered. Wavered in his thinking. Double-minded. Unstable. We've got to have great expectations. Let's face it, we, we serve a great God, right? We serve a God that's capable of the impossible. We need to have great expectations. We should expect great things to come from Him who is great. We ain't going to see great things when we just... It's time to go to church. Time to go home. We got praise and worship practice tonight. You get stuck in that routine. And you forget who it is. Look, man, I still pray. I still seek God for what it is He wants me to share with y'all. But where's my great expectations? Where's my vision? Where's my hope? See, that only comes about when you stretch. When you start to say, God, put something, put some new hope in me. God, show me something I hadn't thought of yet. Where are we going? Where are we going to be five years from now? What should we be working toward? 